You're listening to CounterTalks, Canada's podcast for the equipment and event rental industry. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to CounterTalks. I'm Pat Flannery. Great conversation today with Jim Bodez of Five Bow. Uh, Jim is one of the three partners at Five Bow. They are a uh, equipment dealer for the rental industry out of uh, Alberta. Um, Jim and I get into uh, his background, obviously. Uh, he spent uh, many years at Finning, uh, also some other uh, rental stores in Western Canada. Uh, we talk about um, uh, quite a bit about mergers and acquisitions. Uh, this is something that Jim has been uh, intimately involved with for uh, many, many rental stores, uh, both at Finning and since. Uh, he does offer his services uh, these days as a, as a consultant. And um, we talk about uh, how to value your store properly and what makes a, uh, a rental store attractive as an acquisition target. Um, talk about some of the uh, pitfalls and uh, and some of the good things about uh, acquisitions and consolidation in the industry. We also have quite a bit of talk about uh, the market, about uh, rental strategies in general, and just uh, generally a, a good conversation about uh, what's going on in the Western Canadian rental industry today. So uh, Jim is uh, uh, very uh, informed and experienced uh, in the industry, had lots of uh, great insights and tips. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with uh, Jim Bodez of Five Bow. Jim Bodez, a legend in the industry, uh, to be honest. Uh, now with Five Bow, Jim, how long has Five Bow been around? Uh, really, kind of fired up in uh, January of 2016. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Took, yeah. It was uh, with Finning up up until that point, up until the uh, fall of 2015, and then started up Five Bow uh, the next year, uh, pretty close to uh, just before the ARA. How long at Finning, Jim? Six, 16 years. Right. 15 years. Yeah. 15 and a bit. Sorry. Right. And before that, or are we getting into the, the days now when you were in high school? Probably. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> before that, I was with uh, Skyreach Equipment. Oh yeah, is a pretty well-known name for yep, names on buildings and uh, a very strong uh, specialized rental house in in lifts out in Western Canada and actually they were in Toronto and London as well. Yeah, uh, and into the states a little bit. Yeah, um, and then uh, before that, uh, a small rental house uh, in in Edmonton called Select Equipment Rentals. Before okay. that, before that, in the started in the late eighties in a, a company. Uh, called Fasco Rentals, which is pretty famous in the industry for Western Canada. They were um, Fasco standard, stand, stood for Fitzgerald and Son Company, and uh, uh, they were a pretty large player in Western Canada with Certified and and those guys out there. Was that your first on? Was that your first uh, job in the industry? Fasco. Yeah, started on as a summer student uh, trying to pay for university, and. Uh, 30 some years later, still in the industry, can't get out. So. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people, people get in and, and just, uh, you know, find a home and, 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 and love it. You know, I think, I think if you've got the, the personality type that, uh, that enjoys uh, working with people and solving problems, 
it's uh it, it it seems to it seems to work out for people right so it's different every single day like you said you're you're constantly solving problems and uh, i think that's why people like it yeah it's definitely not it's definitely not a factory job yeah that yeah that's right it's not it's not it's not the same thing over and over again by any stretch so yeah. tell me uh t- tell us a bit uh for for those few people who might be unfamiliar uh about five bow and uh what the what the concept is there and uh, and what you guys are up to Sure. Well, I started, I started five bow as a basically doing some consulting for some, uh, some rental houses, um, was doing some sales training, some management training, a little bit of equipment evaluation, um, that sort of thing. When I, uh, when I was kind of in the gap after, um, after, uh, finning the cat rental store and, um, that was, that was going fairly well. I mean, got to set my own schedule, not a lot of overhead or anything like that. And then, <laughs> I went down, I was still on the national board for the Canadian Rental Association and was down at the ARA for meetings and um, got to visit a lot of my friends in the supplier supplier end of, of the, uh, the rental business and uh, had a bunch of people ask me, hey, would you like to try taking on this line or take on this line? And um, yeah, before you know it, I had four or five lines kind of set up and started being a manufacturer's rep for, for uh, lines such as Highcore um, and Solaire and um, Lind, and it's kind of grown throughout the years. We're up to nine or ten lines now of, of pretty well-known, well-known names. So, can it can it be challenging um, for uh, for OEMs? Uh, I, I guess especially American OEMs to reach uh, rental stores in the West. Is, is that a is that a um, is, is there a special challenge uh, uh, there at all, or yeah, it just happened to be that's how it it's. Was? the biggest challenge is geography. Mm. They don't have, they don't in the West, you don't have problem uh, getting a hold of the big guys. Um, the larger rental houses are very accessible as long as you have some contacts and some relationships to get in there, but it's the smaller rental houses that people don't realize how many small rental houses are out in Western Canada. There are hundreds of them. So, and in small little towns that might be, you know, so, uh, I'll, I'll use the example of Williams Lake, BC, where there's three rental houses in Williams Lake, BC, and I don't don't know the population of it, but it's right in the heart of of uh, British Columbia, and um, it's you know it's what an hour and a half north of Kamloops, and you know from Edmonton it's six hours, so it's it's not it's not easy to get to, and um, if you only have you know one rep for that uh, for all of Western Canada, it's pretty hard to get from Winnipeg to Victoria to Whitehorse to Yellowknife, and yeah. uh, so that's why the the manufacturers reps come into play, and in Western Canada, a very strong group of manufacturers reps out there too. A lot of a lot of good people in the group. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, and in in, in a smaller place like that, uh, that's 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 remote. Uh, uh, you know, thinking about the market, it's 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 hard for you know a, a contractor doesn't want to buy the stuff. Um, it's uh, it's 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 but they they need it. Uh, it's not like uh, you know they can just uh, run around the corner uh, to a, to a big dealer and uh, and pick up what they need. Uh, so uh, in, in a way, the rental store becomes uh, even more important, right? In a in in, in a small sort of remoter uh, community like that. Yes, absolutely. They uh, yeah they'll uh, and usually have a couple different hats. They might be a uh, lawn and garden dealer for mm-hmm. a Honda, for example, or they might be a still dealer, or they may be a Polaris dealer, or they may also be the place you go to for uh, for paint, 
I mean, yeah. they, they have to, you know, wear a bunch of different hats in the smaller communities. So, yeah. And, and there's, but they're still solution providers, right? So they, you know, people have problems, they, they sell them for them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're the ones that have to know uh, uh, where to get it, even if they don't have it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a more, yeah, I, I would call it a more traditional uh, uh, rental market than, uh, than uh, maybe some of the, uh, and maybe some of what's grown up in uh, here, here in Ontario, uh, Southern Ontario, uh, you know, uh, things much closer together, a lot more availability of everything. Um, um, uh, big chains, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit different for that reason. So, so yeah, you, 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 you knew that uh, intimately, uh, uh, really coming out of your, coming out of your background, uh, you know, then you were at Finning still in that market for a long time. And, and then you picked up the lines with five bow. Um, and then I, well, let's talk a little bit about that, about, uh, about one of the reasons we got talking today. Um, you know, the, the growth uh, since you started Five Bow, I think, has been remarkable. Um, and, uh, and then there's been some significant acquisitions. T- tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, yeah the, the Five Bow business, we, uh, we, we kind of expanded out into a couple, uh, um, you know, um, I want to I say COVID does change a lot of business plans, made a lot of people use what's the famous word everyone uses pivot. Yeah. And we, we did change. Um, we got a lot more into used equipment. So we, we did, that's one thing we do different at five bow is we sell used equipment to rental stores. Mm-hmm. Most of our, our equipment that we buy is from rental stores. And that really started with trade-in packages. So we were doing trade-in packages for some of our manufacturers uh, lines where the manufacturer didn't necessarily want to take in a, a pile of equipment used. So five bow kind of, saw that gap and we stepped in and bought some of the used equipment from our customers who were selling new new equipment to. So we tend to buy a lot from the larger rental houses and then sell to the smaller rental houses because there's a different strategy there where larger rental houses may get rid of a piece of equipment in three years because uh, it's, it's uh, outside their range of age that they want or hours where it's perfectly good piece of equipment that a smaller rental house might be able to get two or three, four more years out of. So um, kind of just another solution for the smaller rental houses and also helps the larger rental houses get out of fleet rather than pushing it at auction. So makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so used, uh, used got pretty big for us. We also got into uh, things like inventories. So we do a lot of, uh, we were doing some uh, equipment evaluations for some banks uh, that I had connections with out here uh, where they need a third party um, to do an evaluation, both count the equipment and then also um uh, give evaluation on the equipment. So typically a bank wants three different, they want a orderly liquidation value, a fair market value, and a, um, a forced uh, liquidation value. So we give them, um, you know, go do a count, start up some equipment of the bigger pieces, uh, make sure it's all in good order and uh, give them some numbers that the bank can work with and be happy that they've lent against this equipment. So, so that was inventories. And then the acquisitions we got involved with as well, as far as, you know, helping, in most cases, smaller rental houses sell to larger rental houses, but in some cases, uh, two smaller rental houses work together. Um, and um, yeah, and then we did, and then recently we did uh, kind of did an acquisition of our own where um, the ownership of Fivebo, which is myself, uh, my brother Bob, uh, and Craig, who are both uh, got years in the rental game as well. Bob was with uh, United. Skyreach and United for 20 plus years and Craig was uh, in oil and gas for a long time all over the world but uh, also worked at uh, fitting for a while in the shutdown division 
So um, we we were we were repping the high core line out in Western Canada for for Neil and the, and the team. And Neil uh, has two different businesses going, so his other business is doing very well. So Highcore wasn't getting the attention that he could he could give it. So we, uh, yeah, worked out a deal with uh, with Neil and uh, the ownership of Five O bought Highcore, still running it under the Highcore name. Um, and uh, but yeah, just, this has been just over a month now that we've had Highcore um, on board and uh, working through them, starting to get some lines out that way too. So. Yeah, pow- power distribution uh, equipment predominantly, right? With uh, with high core. Actually, uh, I'd say they're probably a heavier percentage of safety PPE, okay. that sort of thing. They do a lot of uh, of uh, yeah, um, uh, yes, it's the safeties right up there. They're also the Solaire manufacturers rep, right? So that now gives us Solaire right across, uh, right to the edge of Ontario, to the eastern edge of Ontario, and. Um, um, Canicom is another one that they carry. Um, we've recently brought in uh, HPI Witter, which is a shutdown turnaround tools, um, and uh, DDM Concut Diamond Blades are out there as well. So, uh, yeah, they've been High Course been around for a while, twelve years, I believe now, yeah. and uh, have pretty established base. And um, we're gonna we're working with the crew out there. Still the same people out there, except for Neil. Um, uh, but he's still around if we need him, uh, for yeah. help. Um, but there, uh, we'll change out the lines a little bit and, um, a little bit more uh, presence. You, a new, uh, Liam is our sales rep out there. He's going to be out in the field a lot more visiting stores and, uh, getting to know people and, um, yeah, trying to help some, help some rental houses out in Ontario. Some perfect stuff there for oil field, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be huge demand um for for those high core products uh in the in the oil fields i would think yeah uh, you mean the sorry you're referring to the to the distribution and the cabling or the uh well both really i mean i mean right right but i mean i mean the 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 distribution the cabling the generators the uh the ppe all right major major demand uh in in oil fields especially yeah, I mean, Highcore's business is really not a lot of oil field based out there. It's really? mostly urban. It's uh, yeah, it's it's in the GTA, and I mean, they're based out of Kamoka, just outside London. But mm-hmm. you know, again, their focus is rental houses, so it's what rental houses what rental houses need. And um, yeah, it's 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 construction type uh, PPE more than anything else. So it's um, it's vests. It's it's a lot of N95 masks. It's uh, Right. Um, you know, that, that sort of product that they, uh, they do with the hard hats, rubber boots, that sort of thing that they do out there, steel toes, that sort of thing. Well, so. t- t- tell me for my ignorance, is, is there, is, is, would there be a lot of difference between that PPE and what they would use in the oil field? Do they have specialized stuff? Well, if you go, if you talk Western Canada, it's uh, rentals a little different. I, I, I've, I mean, in the past, um, rental used to be a little bit more of that, um, you know, one stop where you could get things like flagging tape and, and, uh, and, um, uh, spray cans and, uh, you know, shovels and gloves and hard hats and earplugs. Uh, but in Western Canada, it's really kind of, there's really strong suppliers in that end, especially in the oil field and, you know, your Acklands, your Greggs, your, uh, Valen, uh, they're all really strong at Western Canada. But I, I've noticed just from touring around rental houses in Ontario that a lot more rental houses in Ontario carry that kind of MSO supply stuff yeah. um, out of their stores, where it's not as big in Western Canada from from my uh, from my experience, at least. So a little bit more in the smaller rental smaller communities, but um, it's it's just 
not as big a push in the in the larger communities. And oil field, they go by direct in most cases. Right. So they're they're buying such better prices. I mean, you go up to the oil sands in northern Alberta and they have vending machines for all that stuff. It's all automatic. You put your barcode in, they know who took it and your hard hat leaves or your gloves or or that sort of thing. So that's different. That's- that's what I should have thought of was, yeah, obviously they, they've got the resources to buy all that stuff. So, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure they're all on programs, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're getting what they want. And, uh, and, and even, even during a shutdown or turnaround, they'll have a, a you know, a full van out there of, uh, of that type of PPE mm-hmm. and then another van of, of shutdown tools from a rental house, mm-hmm. uh, whoever's supplying the rent, the small rental tools. So two, mm-hmm. two different suppliers, but same site. I've learned yeah. something already. This is good. Right. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get out to, uh, I don't get out to oil rigs in uh, in Northern Alberta too often, as you can imagine. So that <laughs> this is a, this is a good education for me. The um, let, let, let's, let's, let's get to uh, uh, one of the, one of the neat topics that, uh, that, that I wanted to get to with you today is, uh, is acquisitions and, 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 and this, this, this work that you've done, uh, uh, you know, consulting both both on the w- with the bank side and then and then directly with some of the rental houses. I mean, you've touched all aspects of this um, and and done your own. Um, so, uh, so tell me, I think that the, the question that's that's in every small rental owner's mind uh, who maybe is getting up there, he's been doing it for a, a lot of years, um, or maybe even went into the business with this in mind. Is uh, is is what what makes a rental store an attractive acquisition target for 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 someone else for a, a, a okay. vet, well venture capital is only for the very big stuff but I, I I mean I mean even for probably for another larger rental store is what we're usually talking about here right yeah and to give you give you a little history on it so at, at Cat Rental Store when I moved over to Finning Cat Rental Store from Skyreach I uh, my original position there was branch development manager so I was doing a lot of involved in a lot of the acquisition stuff. There was a team of people that we had a great team there that did a lot of acquisitions in a very short period of time. Um, I wish I knew the exact numbers was probably about 14 branches that we did. So, um, and and again, in a very, very condensed schedule. So, um, but to your question of what makes a rental house attractive, um, there's a variety of things. Um, I'd say one of the bigger ones is probably geography. So market slash geography. So if, um, if a larger uh, chain has a, a gap in their coverage in a certain territory, um, then that's an attractive place to be. Um, if there's a rental store already there, then it becomes one of the options. Um, other than that, you're starting a greenfield, which greenfields are uh, typically take a couple of years to get profitable. Whereas if you can buy an existing rental house with a customer base and employees um, you're, you're turning profit right away. So that, you know, geography is one people is another one, you know, if they, if they're having trouble, um, you know, finding people in a certain location and you can acquire a rental store and get, um, mechanics, management, um, drivers and everything all in one place all at once. That's, that's a reason. I mean, that's less nowadays, at least out here in the West, but um, it, it, it's still, uh, a, definitely a reason to make a store attractive. Um, what other reasons, a good, a good customer list. That's another one. You know, if, if, if there's a, a rental store that has three or four big customers that, um, someone else has been trying to get to for a long time and couldn't crack that relationship, it's a good reason to buy a company to, to buy their customer list. So 
So those are a couple of them. Equipment is is one that's coming up nowadays with the issues on supply, uh, the uncertainty coming out of um, all over the world. If you can buy a rental house and have, you know, three million or four million or ten million dollars in uh, original equipment cost, you know, overnight, it's a lot easier than trying to uh, get new stuff in some cases. So um, equipment supply is is becoming a a bigger issue in the last twenty four months. So that's one as well. So those are those are some of the things that would, you know, um, make a rental store want to move in. I mean, the other one is just pure growth. Um, a lot of the larger rental houses have growth targets. So the the, the bigger chains, the the uh, consolidators, if you want to call them, they they have to get to, they have to grow. So instead of trying to go um, get customers the the harder way, I mean, it's a lot easier to acquire a rental house that already has those customers on board and you instantly grow. So, right. Right. That, that definitely comes into play for the bigger, smaller guys. Sometimes it's opportunity. It's just, I, I find that a lot. It's, you know, someone's been in the game for 30, 35 years and they've, they're retiring. Right. So their options are talk to Richie brothers and roll it all into an auction or um, see if we can sell it to somebody all at once and keep, maybe long-term employees employed. So, right. Right. yep. So if you're um, the smaller uh, 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 rental house, you'd, 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 you'd like to sell uh, uh, at some point in the near future, um, you can't move your location geographically, really. Um, your people uh, are what they are. Um, you could try to bring try to bring in more but now they're you know maybe not experienced people um the uh you're the, the, there's there's whatever you can invest in equipment is what it is but of course these days it's hard to get anything um the uh so where i'm getting to with all of this is is what can you do to make yourself uh, a, a target a lot a lot of the things you noted uh, uh which i agree are, are probably the biggest factors a lot of the things you noted are things that you can't really at least quickly do very much about, right? What are, what are some, what are some shorter term steps you can take to, uh, to, to sort of brush up the business, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a very simple, I, I'd say the, the, if you're looking to sell a business, I think the first thing is go after a, go after someone who can go find you someone to sell to. I mean, if you're if you're a very sales oriented person, uh, which some rental houses are, they're they're run by uh, the sales minded people. Um, others are run by uh, rental people, construction people, landscaping people, whatever it is. Um, but you know, go get a go go find a pro and have them go. You know, um, kind of sell your goods to other rental houses. That's probably an easier way. It's also it's easier on your employees because they don't you know see people coming in through you know, coming through your store, seeing what's going on, you know, people think they're selling. If you can kind of keep it, you know, to the side and um, have someone, a third party going to try and sell for you, it's a lot easier. But as far as making your store more attractive, uh, front facing, you know, you'll have some of the larger, some of the larger uh, rental houses will drive by or do a Google earth of your location and see what your store looks like. Right. So when I, and when I say front face, I don't mean driving on the street, but even a, uh, a Google search and they look at your website. If you've got a website from, you know, 2002, um, that's going to reflect on what your, on, on what your company is like as well. So 
Um, so just the same as them driving by and see a sign that's been hanging from one chain for, you know, you know, three years and, uh, you know, a pile of junk in the backyard and all that sort of thing. It's, you just got to clean up a little bit so that when someone does take that first view, um, that they go, yeah, this is, this is an option for, you know, this location or this area. So that's definitely the, the outside image is a big one. When a lot of people think about, uh, uh, think about getting ready for, uh, an acquisition or, or trying to get into shape for one, um, uh, they, they think about the finances. Um, what, uh, what should what what should what should things look like from from that perspective? What are what are what are some red flags to a potential uh, buyer um, that uh, that that maybe they should watch out for uh, for for what so, kind of these companies in? So typically, uh, when a larger rental house or even smaller rental house is buying another rental house, they'll look at um, two things: your um, fair market value of assets. Mm-hmm. So. Rental houses, rental owners typically don't buy RSPs and GICs. They buy another skid steer or an air compressor or a boom lift. So that RES or RSP they have in the backyard, all that equipment, they need to know what it's worth. So that's the first one is a fair market value of that equipment. Original equipment cost, OEC, some people call it, is important too. So what, what it would cost for a larger rental house to buy all that same equipment might be newer, but what it would cost. OEC, so that's OEC, and then fair market value is what it's worth if they sold it on the market, open market today. Um, those are two important numbers. And then the other one that comes into play is EBITDA, which is earning before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And it's important to get EBITDA numbers, not EBIT, because small rental houses and, and private individuals have their own way of calculating depreciation, sometimes annually sometimes depending on how good the year was. So you want to kind of wipe that factor out of play. Um, so that's why they want an EBITDA number, not EBIT. And, um, and then larger rental houses, when they're buying, they'll use the EBITDA number and then use a, a multiplier against that. And they have their numbers in their heads. I don't know. You know, I know how we did it at Finning, but there's a bunch of other ways out there that people go about it. So, yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the final piece is goodwill. So goodwill is things that are uh, valuable, but you can't put on paper. So, you know, having four 20, 25 year employees that want to stick around even after an acquisition is a huge chunk of goodwill, a great, uh, you know, the phone number, the, the email, you know, that stuff gets usually gets switched out, but it's um, it does bring some value to the company and customer lists, Again, you can't put a number on it, but it's valuable and just reputation in the area. Those are all goodwill things that usually go above and beyond the EBITDA or part of the EBITDA factor. How so, well are you knowing? How, yep. how how broad is your appeal? Yeah, yeah. Your wow. equipment, your your fleet mix. I mean, sometimes if it's a specialized rental house, it may have a different uh, uh, multiplier than a uh, general rental store or a a party or sorry, event store versus a general rental construction store or a heat specialist versus a lift specialist, that sort of thing. So how, 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 how does, how does that work is, is um, our, our, our special, our specialty rental stores usually viewed um, um, with a, like, like, like with a longer return with a, with a, with a, with a, well, I guess that would be a, a, a lower multiplier uh, or, or, or vice versa. I- 
I would say if they're well run and really good at what they do, then a premium on, on a specialized. Um, and it, I think it has to do with the trend of the larger rental stores now going into their specialized group, like a Sunbelt flooring division or a, uh, you know, United uh, pump and power, that sort of thing with all, all the big guys have their specialized groups. So if they can pick up a, a pump division, you know, a pump rental house is really good at it with all the hose and all the extra stuff that most general rental houses don't carry, then there's a premium to that. Yeah. And, th and that, that, that's something that came out of my conversation with, uh, with uh, Cam at uh, Cooper was, uh, was, was, you know, a, a lot of the specialty houses out there, the independents are very good. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they really, they really know what they're doing for obvious reasons and have been doing it for a very long time. So yeah, that's, that's got a, that sort of expertise. Like you say, it's, it's one of those non quantifiable factors maybe, or maybe there are numbers uh, uh, to, to, to quantify it for, for goodwill or whatever, but, uh, but that, that kind of thing in house has got to be, uh, it's got to be tremendously attractive too. Yep. Knowledge is a, a very big goodwill factor. I mean, again, because everyone's solution providers, if you, if you know it, it's more valuable to the company, but it's hard to put a number on. It's really can't say, okay, well, a 20 year uh, rental vet on our counter is, you know, worth $150,000. It's not as simple as that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's where, I, the, I remember, it's where the negotiating comes. I read, I read, I think in the economist a little while ago and it, and it, it just kind of caught me was, uh, was, was they said that uh, data data is, 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 uh, is uh, the most uh, valuable commodity on earth uh, right now. And, and I, and I, had to think about that for a second. And I went, well, when you, you know, when you think about what it costs to produce it versus what you, what you can, what you get from it or what you can make from it. Right. It, it's probably true. Uh, you know, there's, 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 there's nothing more, uh, there's nothing more valuable than the information and nobody can quantify it and nobody, nobody tracks it and nobody, you know, it's, it's all, it's all just a, just a thing that's out there, but it might be, it might be the most valuable part of your business. If you can find a way to demonstrate that, I guess, to a, to, to monet, monetize it. Yeah. 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 You just find a way to show how it translates, uh, uh, into, uh, into, into what you do. And, and especially rental store is a, is a good example of that. I, you know, that, that, that premium spread on the value of a, of a, of a specialty store versus, uh, and other places is, uh, is important. And I like, I, I like, I like that point about the A on, uh, on EBITDA, uh, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't forget the amortization. Don't, don't forget that, uh, that, that, that last element of it. Um, because, um, um, you know, that, that's, that's where the, that's where the numbers can get a little confusing. If you're, if you're just kind of uh, yeah, adding, up, other, adding up what you paid and what you think it's worth today. The other thing that I would let, um, small rental houses know if they are looking to sell is get your, uh, not financials in order, but get a clean version of your income statement and balance sheet. I mean, you do it every year at year end, but um, I know even for myself, it's, you know, how much I watch my own, you know, five bows balance, uh, balance sheet and income statement. I mean, I watch my bank account. I don't watch my income statement anymore where, you know, for 15 years I lived off EBIT. That was all that I worried about at the end of every month, but it is at a small rental house, just have something clean that, that the, the, the acquirer can read. And I've had, I've helped some smaller rental houses clean that up because they might have two, three branches that we have to lump together. Uh, there's a lot of different things. So I can, we can help on that end of it as well as just getting, getting the, the, um, an overview of your company that the, the bigger guys want to look at. 
and can read. Yeah. 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 Very important. Very important. Is it is it usually necessary to get a professional for that gym, or uh, or is that the kind of thing guys can handle themselves if they just? No, I, I think if it's if um, um, no, if you're a smaller a smaller rental house who's comfortable in where their numbers are at, if they have um, a good accountant on board, no, you don't have to go to a professional. But I, I think it helps, or to a broker, it just helps create a bit of a barrier there. I mean, the other issue that comes into play uh, as to why you use a broker is uh, to sell your business is you may be working for that other company. So if you have to play a little bit of hardball in negotiating the price that you want to sell for, then you might want to have someone in there being the buffer who can, you know, be the bad guy. And because you're going to have to work for this company for four or five years or two years or whatever. And in, in, in a lot of cases, they want to buy you too. So, um, so you don't want to, annoy somebody who may be your boss Interesting. in, in a year. Um, but, and also a third party just sees things differently in a lot of cases. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've touched or been involved in just close to about 20 acquisitions. So you see a lot of the, um, the holes, the gaps uh, that people don't see when they're just looking at their own business. So, and also gives you a, you know, I was, I was the, I was on the big guy side, so I can also let them know, Hey, this is where they'll move. They'll move on this. They'll move on that. They can't move on this, you know, and there, there's, there's some tricks of the trade that both sides need to know about. And if you don't know about them, you can't use them. So on, on the topic of brokers, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a very intuitive uh, uninformed uh, impression that, that, that I have gotten just from the, the, the emails and the marketing communications that come flying across my inbox all the time. Um, I get the impression that there are uh, mergers and acquisitions brokers out there who are running around making a business out of making grandiose claims out of what they're going to uh, get for your business. And, uh, and I, I have my suspicions as to whether those are ever actually uh, realized or not. Jim, is that a thing? Is that, is, is, is that, a, is that out there? Is that a, is that a problem? Uh, or, uh, or am, I, am I just being overly paranoid as I often am? Um, I haven't run across a lot of competition Good. on that end of it, other than, um, there's some, some smaller rental houses who I've, I've worked with and come in as a second player where they were using a real estate agent or a real estate broker oh. who is really good at selling property in the building and all that sort of thing, which may be part of the business that you're selling, but really the rest of the business is really difficult for them to understand any of the stuff we've talked about or the value of equipment or people or that sort of thing. They're, they're in the hard asset of the ground and the, and the facility. And um, they also, I mean, real estate uh, brokers usually tend to be in that pretty high cost. We'll put it that way. Right. They, they're, they're much higher than a, a typical, uh, you know, person like, you know, a company like us, who's, you know, willing to be reasonable in their, in their rates with them. So we're, yeah, it's, if that, Helps. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Set my mind. You set my mind at ease, Jim. That's that's, yeah. that's good. Perfect. Perfect. Um, the uh, talking about negotiations and talking about uh, going back and forth. Um, the uh, the M and A arrangements and attempts to sell businesses uh, that I've seen uh, run into trouble. Usually run into trouble over disagreements about valuations and 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 the value of things. I don't know if that, that that's that's true. That's my limited experience. Um, uh, how do you, how do you get to, how do you get to that 
accurate valuation, Jim? How do you how do you find that number for your for your business? You, I mean, you've talked about some numbers uh, uh, th- that are there. I, I, I guess I guess my question is, how do you get your own how do you get your own blinders off about what you think it's worth, especially in in intangibles like goodwill, and 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 how do you how do you how do you arrive at a very a very clear and factual uh, numbers? So. For for me, how that usually starts is a conversation with the seller, and it, it'll start off with, "Hey, what do you think? What do you think your business worth?" And they'll throw out a number, and and they're they're dealing with you where you've you've. I, I will throw in there if you're dealing with any brokers, make sure to sign a non-disclosure agreement before you share any numbers at all. If if your broker doesn't ask to sign a non-disclosure agreement before any discussions, then think uh, twice about the broker that you're using. So mm-hmm. throw that out there first, but. Uh, yeah, ask the ask the seller what he wants to or what he or she wants to sell the business for, um, and then uh, you got to kind of work backwards. Biggest chunk is the equipment right off the bat. Okay, what what did you, you know, what's the original equipment cost? And if their system's decent, um, then you can come up with an original equipment cost and then depreciate it down. And if they want to get a little more detailed, you know, uh, then we can get into a, a cool a, a full equipment valuation. Uh, which I usually charge for before, um, before the before if it, if they want to go into that depth, depending on how big they are as well. But um, but as opposed to the rest of our fees are all we only get paid if the equipment's if the business is sold. So it's like a real estate agent. But um, but yeah, equipment equipment valuation is a pretty big portion of it, and um, the the EBITDA comes into play too. I mean, if it's been a really really profitable business, um, that's got a that's got to be got to be a factor if you can do those EBITDA numbers and you know build a little chart with you know from you know one times EBITDA to ten times EBITDA. Here's the kind of range you're looking at, and then tell them where it really realistically is, depending on their business. Hmm. And and goodwill is is going to come into play, as we mentioned with the people and the equipment and the specialization and the location and all that. So yeah, that's just going to be a matter of. Two people's evaluations of the brand and uh, and, and yep. coming to a reasoning together, I guess, uh, you know, to some extent, right? Yeah, and I've found, at least in uh, in my experience, the number comes in pretty late in the whole deal. Right. Um, you know, it's it's not something that's thrown in there in the first day. It's they want to look at financials. They want to do a maybe uh, you know, of course, talk to the owner, see how the fit is. Um, if the owner wants to stick around, they may, some owners say, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm 66. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just want to sell it. Um, others may say I'll stick around for two years, three years, five years of the buyout or something in there. Um, so, but then the number gets, that's into the the later stages of the, of the negotiation for sure. Um, hmm. That's it. That that's interesting. Yeah. I, how, um, I mean, you mentioned the non-disclosure agreement, obviously, uh, obviously key, Mm-hmm. Um, still, I can see where a, a, a lot of people will be very nervous about sharing uh, all, all of that information with uh, with because if the deal doesn't go through, well, that other company is still out there now as your competitor, and yep. uh, and you've shown them you've you, you know <laughs> you've you've done the the dance of a thousand veils. Yep. Um, so uh, how does that work? Yeah. So the non disclosure agreement first. There's a non disclosure between the broker and the seller, and then between the interested party and uh, both the broker and the seller. So you have protection all directions. Uh, you will have some larger um, 
houses, larger rental houses who want to include a lot of people in the NDA. And I say in, include as many as you can and have them all sign if you're comfortable with that. Again, that's usually later on when you have someone from the financial side who wants to go evaluate, uh, you know, five years of financials, then they'll bring in a financial person. But usually most of the larger rental houses have a couple, you know, a team of lead or point people who's two or three people. And, um, and those are the ones you got to get to sign. And, you know, we're, we, we work in a really good industry. The rental industries, um, there are a lot of, you know, you, you talk with people every day and it's, it's a, it's a group of good people for, for most, in most cases. So, um, you'll, you can tell right away. And again, having a broker in between is someone there to say, Hey, no, you know what customer, I, I, I'd recommend you do not give them the financials at this point. I mean, let's hold off a little bit and see if they're really, uh, if, if this is real or not, because you can sniff out pretty quick if someone's just looking to see, you know, the, one of the very last things you ever give is a customer list. It's you'll have, so, so I typically do an overview of financials. So I'll have some charts and graphs of what the financials are for the last five years. And then if it gets down the path uh, far enough, then we get to the point where, okay, here's the physical, the physical financials that you can look at and drill down by line, you know, see what they spend on toilet paper if they want, right. I mean, get to that detail, but to start with, I usually have a two or three page kind of overview of what the, what the company was all about. So including, yeah, financial great, overview. Great tip there. That, that, that customer list is gold. It is. And, uh, and, and, and hold on to that, hold on to that sucker longer than you, like, cause you know, you, you're going to think, Oh, everybody knows who we deal with. Well, that the, 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 those those lists are those lists are important and hard to come by. I, I know in my business, I, I mean that's 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 all we have is magazines, right? Is our yep. is our is our list that that's subscriber right? list. Yeah, that's it. So I mean I mean that's that's the that's the uh, that that stuff is gold. I I would not give that up for anything. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's uh let, let, let's go up another thirty thousand feet. Sure. Uh, talk to me uh, a bit, Jim, about. Uh, you know, one of the first things I, I mean, I've been doing this a uh, uh, little over 10 years now. Um, one of the first things I found out when I got into this industry, uh, the rental industry was that, um, you know, consolidation, uh, the, 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 the eating up of, of, of smaller rental stores uh, uh, by the larger chains uh, was, uh, it was a concern for some people. It was, a, it was an opportunity for others. It, it really depended on, on, on your outlook. Um, um, what, um, what, what do we think about, what do we, th I guess, first of all, tell me, where do you think consolidation is going? Is, 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 is there going to be, is there going to be more of this activity going on? It, it seems to have slowed a little bit just recently. Um, although, well, there's, there's still been some big stuff. Cooper certainly did a whole lot, uh, uh not too long ago. Um, do you, do you see it accelerating? Do you see it slowing? Do you see it continuing to, to be a, a, a circumstance where the independent rental store is, is, you know, often getting bought out? Uh, and, and I think, I think the larger publicly traded rental houses, uh, have a necessary need for growth. They've got to show growth for their, um, their stock price. So they, they aren't built to stay stagnant. They have to grow and uh and acquisition is a quick way to that growth greenfields is out there too and some some successful uh large players will do both um so i think there's always going to be an appetite for 
um, acquisition as long as there's publicly traded uh, rental houses. And we have the Uniteds, we have the Sunbelts, we have, you know, the, the uh, Coopers to us. I mean, they're privately held with uh, yeah, little- equity there, but yeah, but still want to grow. So they, uh, yeah, they're going to, if there's a need for growth, there's going to be a need for acquisition because it's an easier way to grow is probably my, my first opinion. And then the other one, and you might have a better idea, Patrick, I've been, again, out of the rental side for five years and on the other side of the, of the fence, but if, it, if I'm not mistaken, still 65% of the market is independence. If I'm, if I'm not, you could confirm or deny that. I don't, I don't about, know. What, that's about right. Yeah. So people don't realize that even with all these really large uh, rental store chains out there, there's still a majority of the market is independent rental stores. So um, that's, it's, those are the fish in the sea right now. Right. So if, uh, if someone wants to, there's definitely places to go and acquire companies. So, um, and there's new companies popping up all over the place still. There's some disappearing. There's natural, um, naturally people who just drop out of the market, but um, there's new ones popping up all over the place. Yeah. That, um, and, and the, the other, actually, the, the thing that I've uh, really observed is, uh, is the mini chain. Um, it, 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 it often, it, it seems uh, more and more, frequent that it's you know it's not one store one location that you've got it's uh it's three or four uh or five or six uh across a you know a certain a certain market area um and uh, and i i think in part that's a way to stave off uh you know the uh the 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 big acquisition right because now you're now you're obviously a bigger bite to swallow um and uh although i don't i don't think that's why it happens i i think it's just it's you know it's the same it's the same element you talk about i mean you're looking for growth bob down the street is selling uh you know why why not why not grow that way right and just and just and just absorb, yep. absorb what he's doing uh, opportunity the next, yep. town, the next town over really more accurately um and uh and uh and and so you you have you have the mini chain right i mean you've got is that would you agree with that is that is that is that a is that a trend the mid-size independent yeah um i think i think the mid-size independents are probably more customer driven where they may move into a different location or geography because of customers there and they want to they want to take care of that customer and solve their needs out in that part of the world so they move there mm-hmm. um uh, or they might just be a growth someone who wants to grow has, I mean, a lot of the small rental stores have been very successful over COVID and, and there's also a lot of people don't realize a lot of the small independent rental stores work off cash. So they, they don't have a lot of debt. So if they, they have some money and they want to keep doing what they're doing or, then they can, they can grow another store out one direction or the other, or a different division, like a, you know, an event division, they've been general rental forever and they decided to split off into a rental or, a, uh, you know, tents and yeah. that sort of thing division. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think the smaller rental houses, there's some, there, there's some, definitely some, some independent size, especially out here in uh, Western Canada that are just designed for growth, that they want to grow. They're aggressive people who want to grow and uh, get a bigger territory and get a bigger business and, and they grow. Uh, but a lot of the smaller independent rental houses are pretty happy in their one or one location and maybe a second one opens up for opportunity. But in a lot of cases, I think they, uh, if they move, it's again, opportunity or following a customer. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's that, it's that thing where, well, we're going out there all the time anyways, you yep. know, you know, and, and, and they always, you know, there, there seems to be a lot out there. So we might as well have a store there that's, you know, going to keep some plates some stuff, you know, in situ. 
and uh and that's and 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 there's 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 an element of that a lot of the times too and and like you say the opportunity it's it's yep. somebody's that's prob- opportunity is probably the bigger one yeah, yeah i think that's the i i think that's i think that's the bigger thing i the the, the question i wrote down is is bigger better when it comes to a rental operation or just different um i and i i guess what i'm i guess what i'm if you get into a conversation with an independent rental store about about the united branch uh or the sunbelt branch in their area uh you're gonna get it you're gonna get a list as long as your arm as 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 why they're able to serve uh their 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 clients better uh than uh, than, than, than these big guys um at some level that can't be entirely true can it because uh, <laughs> United and, and Sunbelt are as big as they are, and there must be something they're offering. Um, what uh, give me? Wh- wh- where where do you come down on that, Jim? Is uh, should should you, should you, should you be small or should you be big? <laughs> oh, I, I think it depends on the market you're going after. I mean, I'll use I'll use Fort McMurray as an example. Um, in Fort McMurray, it's been very difficult for a smaller independent rental house to operate because of the volumes you have to deal with. I mean, you can use the example of someone can call, you know, a, it's changed now, but during uh, construction of a lot of larger plants, you could have someone, you could have one customer with a a hundred thousand pound plates on one site. Right. I mean, you can't, and there's, there's just no way possible for a small, small, you know, uh, rental house to, you know, have that kind of capital behind them without getting into private equity or, having a whole pile of debt and small rental houses, as we mentioned, the independent, like working off cash. So um, they spend when they have the money, which is I think a great way to do it, but um, it doesn't get you in trouble as much, but uh, it's pretty hard to go out. And if, you know, again, a Syncru to Suncor or Shell in Fort McMurray says, yeah, we need 65, you know, 45 foot booms for three months. Can you help us out? Well, small guys can't, big guys can't. It's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, as far as level of service, um, you know, it it comes down to the people. You can have a a large chain rental house in a small town that services just as well as a small chain uh, because they've got good experienced people who have been in the industry and take care of their customers. Um, So it's, it, it, I think it it really, it really narrows down to people and, but the capital is probably the biggest difference. If you get into a really, really big customer, the small, smaller guys just can't get into that. And, uh, and in some cases, the, the rates are low enough that they don't want to get into it either, right? They can make more money off the six booms they have renting to their regular customers at a higher rate than to have to send to a large industrial account. Right. So, so I, I don't know if that answered the question. I think you, it, it depends. I think it, it mostly depends on the customer, big, small, if the customer is big or small, um, uh, it, it, it really depends on what market you're trying to serve so yeah there's um, a, there's a there, strategy there, element to it for sure right horses yeah. horses i mean uh, i mean uh, you know if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna do a storefront uh and 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 have and have the diyers coming in on the weekends and and and, and that kind of thing uh that's that's one kind of business uh and and like you say if you if you if, you, if you're gonna ship eight booms to 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 a site uh at a time um that's another kind of business um, and, uh, and, and never, never the twain shall meet. So, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a process of natural, you know, uh, uh filtering out and sectoring of the, uh, of the rental industry, right. It's, it's just, uh, and I think there'll, there'll probably always be a market for both because right. even in the larger urban centers, 
Um, some of the larger rental houses don't want to um, concentrate their time on lawn and garden, for example, on Saturday rentals of lawn and garden, where there's small rental houses who live off that. That's cash business. It's good return. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more manual labor to it, but it's what they've survived off for years and years. And if you can work together and, uh, you know, share the markets that, you know, everyone gets taken care of. So yeah, I, I have seen a little bit of a change in some of the larger rental houses focusing some on some of that cash business. Um, it's just, just recently, like we have, we, we sell for GC Duke out in Western Canada. So the, you know, Ryan and Klaus and then little wonder and that sort of thing. And we've noticed uh, some more of the larger rental houses getting into that smaller product, oh. um, which is a little bit of a turn in the last couple of years. And I mm. think that probably has to do with the do it yourselfers during COVID, right. Uh, where they, um, you know, people were at home for a while there and um, maybe took on some handyman stuff and now figure they can do a lot more. So uh, uh, I think they're getting demand for it. So we've seen a little bit of a shift in some of the larger rental stores to that stuff as well. Well, and, and, and at times the construction was slowing down. Uh, and, and, and meanwhile, their, their store is full of DIYers uh, thirsting for, uh, for, for, for equipment uh, uh, more than they had probably seen in ever. Yep. I mean, I, I like on the DIY demand, honestly, like uh, out here, and I'm sure it's the same there. It just was has been ridiculous. I mean, I mean, yep. you can't you know you can't get a contractor. I mean, forget it. They're they're they're, they're too busy, and 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 it's just been it's just been wild. So so yeah, if you're even if you're one of the big uh, uh, branches, you're you're going well. You know, why leave money on the table, right? I mean, uh, I can pick up some of this stuff and. And be yeah. filling in filling in the gaps that I'm that I'm not getting because things are going so slow on the, the local construction sites. Yep, absolutely. Where I mean, we had a pretty good out here in a, in a, in Alberta for a long time where the demand was so high, but we've that that's come we've come back to earth on that. But uh, I think people are looking for all different options of you know where rental revenues are at. So I think you might see some hours change to maybe Saturday mornings in some places and that sort of thing. Where again. The smaller independents have done that forever, but the the larger rental stores didn't do Saturdays, right? Unless it was an emergency or something. So, right. Um, but yeah, we could definitely see a change that way too. A little bit of a market change, at least. T tell tell me about that, Jim. Uh, gas is a buck forty two out here. It's uh, ridiculous. Uh, does this mean Alberta is about to uh, launch into outer space again economically? Uh, are we, uh, how, how are you see, how are you seeing that? How are you seeing the Western market? Uh, are, are, are you guys, I, I, I mean, I know it was, I know it got, it got, it got really bad there for a while. And then, and then, and then I thought the prices were covered a little bit, but I realized that lags, um, uh, how, how are, uh, what, what's your evaluation in your, in your market right now, sort of a general economic sense? Um, well, I mean, we've got, I mean, the pipeline is being built out to the coast. Mm. Um, I drive it constantly when I'm going out to Vancouver um so that's going that will uh, you know allow fort mcmurray to send some more oil west once that's completed I, I i wish i knew the exact date of that completion but that that will uh i think that will uh will help uh the pipeline is driving some business right now too there are you know it's, it's probably more on the larger industrial the large earth moving light towers generators rig mats that sort of thing that's going out there right now but um, once that opens up, that will, I think, help uh, Alberta as far as more production of oil. Fort McMurray had, is um, a big driver of a lot of the business out here. I mean, 
I know years ago, the two largest rental stores or the, of the three largest rental stores in North America, uh, two were in Fort Mac and one was in New York and they kind of rotated between the three of them all the time. But Fort McMurray doesn't have the new construction as much anymore, which was driving a lot, but they had, and don't hold me to the number, but there's, you know, seven major, seven or eight major plants up there that are now an opportunity for maintenance. So the shutdowns turnarounds that happen at those, you know, consider a $16 billion plant when it does a turnaround, there's a lot of work there and they have to do it quick so that they're not down any length of time. So that opportunity up in Fort Mac, I think is converted over from new construction rental opportunity to maintenance and shut down an industrial turnaround sort of opportunity, rental opportunity. So a different type of thing, but it's still an opportunity for the rental houses up there. Yeah. So um, a little bit of that in the Edmonton area as well. Uh, we've got some refineries in, you know, in uh, Sturgeon County and uh, down in, in Edmonton and Strathcona and that sort of thing. So, you know, for the West, that, that's, that business is still here. There's still fairly good construction out here. It's just not, you know, we were, it's hard for us because we lived in a, a gold rush for so many years that to we're now out of the gold rush and having to, you know, figure out what else is out there in the world. But uh, Rentals is still growing. I mean, yeah. again, I might have to rely on you, Patrick, for the what's the um, what's the rental penetration number now for? I think the ARA puts that out where it's the the percentage of equipment that's sold to rental houses first into the channel to market. It, it used to be it's fifty six or fifty eight percent, something yeah. like that. But yeah, it's it's probably I, I'm going to say closer to sixty five, sixty eight now. Um, that that number has continuously grown. Um, and if you listen to objective statements from OEMs and the, and the emphasis they're putting on their rental divisions, um, that, that, that continues to, uh, th- that's a focus for them. Um, they, 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 uh, I mean, they're still, you know, the big part of their business is still, is still end user sales, but, uh, but the, the, the rental they're predicting, you know, uh, uh more and more done through rentals, uh, all the time. So, so, and I guess it depends on the manufacturer, but there are, I mean, there, there, that's the reason that cat, the Caterpillar, I mean, I'm making assumptions here. The reason Caterpillar got into the cat rental store game was they weren't selling through that rental channel enough. So they created their own rental stores. I mean, Volvo did it previous to that as well. So, and if you go to the UK, again, my understanding from Finning, you know, is it's a, the, the rental penetration is even higher than that. So I sell air compressors for cell air and I'm guessing it's in 95% oh, of, wow. of all the, I mean, 90 to 95%, depending on the market of all air compressors that go to market, go through rental stores, whether they're sold to a rental store and then sold to an end user or, uh, you know, they're used, sold three years later, however it is. Um, it's a pretty high percent. Don't hold me to that number, but it's, it's a very, very high percentage of, of the sales of uh, construction equipment built goes through the rental channel. So, yeah, um, it's, 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 it's a lot of the barriers um, that used to, that used to prevent that from happening uh, uh, have gone away. Uh, 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 the availability of, 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 of credit uh, and, and stuff like that you think would make it easier for end users to, 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 to buy equipment. But I think what's actually happened is it's, made it easier for for rental stores to to be more attractive 
in, in a lot of their pricing. And, and to be honest, it, it's as stupid as this. The internet and phones and, and, and the immediate communication ability uh, and, and the software products that have been created uh, for the rental industry, for scheduling and, and logistics, um, it, it's, it's created an environment where it's, it, it, it really, in many cases, becomes easier to rent than to, than to, than to have to own and, and look after the thing yourself. Um, and uh, that, 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 that's, you know, it's just, it's going to be an accelerating and ongoing thing, in my opinion. And, and publicly traded construction companies who don't want to yep. spend money on capital assets too. Yep. They'll, they'll let the rental houses do it and there you go. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yep. If you don't have to have it on your books, you don't have to have it on your inventory and you don't have to pay somebody to maintain it. Uh, your balance sheet's looking a lot better. Absolutely. Um, if yep. you're publicly traded and, and, and just like, and I think, you know, construction continues to consolidate the same as uh, the same as the, the, the rental industry. So it's all, it's all part of the It's all part of the big picture. Speaking of big picture, mm-hmm. um, what are uh, what are five Bo's plans? What's uh, what's what's the future hold for you guys? What we're uh, I mean, focus right now is taking care of customers in Western Canada and trying to trying to find them equipment right now, whether it's new yeah. used. Yeah, um, um, we're we're you know some of our lines we're pushing out into the spring. Some are even into uh, the fall of next year. The uh, um, it's just, you know, su- supply is an issue that uh, we're having to work with our customers to plan ahead a lot further than we had in the past where we used to, you know, put consignment in a lot of places and they could buy it when they needed it, where that's just not an option anymore. There's the, the wait lists and the, uh, the back order um, log is so big that it's, you're, you know, you're, you're buying product today to receive in March and April, yeah. or, or in some cases into, into September next year so. Um, that's trying to, trying to help them find ways to get around those problems. Um, of course, high core, um, you know, getting, uh, getting a little more involved in Ontario personally and, and Bob and Craig as well will be moving out, not moving out there, but going out there to, uh, visit customers and, and, uh, work with the, with the folks at, uh, at high core and, uh, getting some more lines into their hands in Ontario, um, and, and then also our used initiative out in Ontario as well. So we're going to start getting more used equipment into the, uh, into high course hands so they can sell to the smaller rental houses out in, uh, out in Ontario, give them a, another option right now, if it's going to take them, you know, 13 months or six months to get a piece of equipment, if we can get them a used one and one, then, uh, let's at least give them an option for something. So, so they can get, get taken care of their, their customers. So, right. so yeah, that's the, the focus right now. Um, we're kind of always just, looking for uh we're, we're uh, looking for new opportunities all the time and uh um vancouver market where uh you know that's that's a that's one that we have some very uh very strong competition out there some well-established good manufacturers reps out there that uh um that to be frank take care of customers better than we do so we have to do something to get out into the vancouver market a little bit more but um but it's uh yeah it's 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 busy right now and covid's causing we got a bit of a bump out here in Alberta, obviously everyone's heard about. So it's kind of striking home a little bit more um, every day where uh, um, it's, it looks like, looks like we're starting to, to trend down again. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's, it's reduced some travel. I mean, um, but it, it's, it's, it, it's not like it was two years ago where we'd have a trap line and go out and visit, you know, 24 customers 
in in you know a couple three days um and just tr- drop in on them and say hi you, you you have to plan a lot more and there's a lot more safety involved and um alberta plates in bc are a little bit different every once in a while but that's getting better so uh uh but overall no it's uh we're trying to work through the, the world like it is like everybody else is right now so what what are what are what are your suppliers telling you about the supply chain issues, Jim? Uh, uh, timelines? Uh, do they do they do they have uh, predictions on 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 when this might clear? I mean, when so much is reliant on on well, there's two things: the semiconductor shortage and the and the container shipping container shortage. Um, the semiconductors, you know, that that's a black box. I mean, I mean, who knows uh, uh, what's going to happen there? Um, and, uh, and the, the shipping containers seems to me like something that should logistically just sort of work itself out over time. Uh, what, what are, what are your, what are your, what are your suppliers telling well, you? I mean, CCAN is an example. I was talking to a supplier yesterday, their cost in 16 months, their CCAN cost has gone up from four grand to 10 grand. Right. Uh, and, and it's just the fact that, and even at that price, they can't get some. So they'll have product actually sitting um, and they can't physically get it on a boat or into a secant onto a boat to get Remarkable. to it's such yeah. a problem. So, so I think you're going to see, and I'm starting to see it in several of my uh, manufacturers right now that they're starting to go, go more domestic, whether it's assemble domestically or completely build domestically. We're, we're very lucky to have, uh, we just took on uh, Norseman uh, in Western Canada ah. and they build everything in Western Canada. It's right out of Edmonton here. So, we know exactly what we have and they build it right here. So it's, it's, it's simple. And I mean, they have a lot less problems because they're not importing anything, even, even raw material. So. Yeah. But then um, you have to deal with Gary Webb and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we, we hold our nose. We make it through. Yeah, no, 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 Gary, Gary's, a, Gary's a great guy. So, but, um, but it, it's, it's that, it's that type of manufacturer that's kind of thinking a little more domestically, whether it's, you know, changing some manufacturing to the States or Canada or, uh, or um, buying up a product ahead of time. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of different manufacturers with Honda engines. Honda engines seem to be a big issue. Wow. The chips, the chips you talked about, I've heard that for different trucks. Um, and then just outright steel. I mean, I had one supplier that had issues with aluminum, just getting the aluminum they needed to make rads. Um, couldn't get it. So had, you know, machines ready, but just couldn't put the last couple of pieces on because they didn't physically have the material. So um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a transition to North American manufacturing is my, it's going to take a little bit of time, but um, uh, that might increase costs too. So, uh, but if it, if it, uh, if it gives you a better answer as to when you're going to be able to get product, then the cost might be worth it in a lot of cases, but yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be a trend that we see in the next little while for manufacturer supply. Well, if you can strip the cost of a 10, $20,000 C can out of your, uh, out of your uh, delivery, uh, maybe, maybe it'll work out to be the same. Uh, yep. uh, but yeah, inflation is going to be a thing, uh, yep. you know, I, I, again, for the first time in 30 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we might see a little bit of that, but um, good stuff. Also, is also a strengthening in the used market too. Yeah, I mean, I think if you go to Rose Analytics, they can probably give you the exact numbers, but it's uh, numbers have been some of the numbers you see at auction are you're seeing, you know, seven, eight year old air compressors going for three quarters of new. I mean, it's, uh, it's free, it's depending on time of year, but it's, 
yeah, it's it's the the used equipment numbers are really high right now. So well, well, that, there you go. More yeah. more more good news for five bow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, but we have to find equipment too. So yeah, that's that right. Easy. Yeah, you yeah. got to get the stuff as well. Yep. Jim, what a great talk. Uh, thank, thank you. you uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, uh, Jim. Where do where do people find you if uh, if they uh, want to talk more? Uh, probably the easiest is go to our website website, which is five bow inc dot ca and that's uh the not the number five but f-i-v-e b-o-i-n-c dot ca and uh yeah you can look at uh, all the services we offer and um yeah we're always uh willing and love to drop in on somebody if we haven't visited you in western canada please give us a call because we hate to say we've missed you um but we're always uh yeah we're out touring all three of us bob craig and i are all out uh touring around different parts of western canada and and customers in Ontario, I'll be coming out again in a couple of weeks. And uh, Liam Moore is our sales rep out there. And he'll be calling on people more regularly in the next little while too. So, but feel free. And just, even if you want to call just to talk rental on anything, I'm always, always available. Love talking rental. I could do it for hours. So um, any, any, any time, any, any place. Rental stores in Ontario, you have been warned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 5 team may be descending on you soon. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good thing. And Liam, fantastic. Yep, Jim, thanks so much for joining us on Counter Talks. Thank you. See you, Patrick. Thanks for joining us for Counter Talks. You can find Counter Talks episodes online at CanadianRentalService.com or on the major podcasting services. Counter Talks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine.